0: Hello, live from Weftech 2021 in Chicago. I'm Amanda Holloway, host of Solving Water Asylum Podcast. And whether you're a longtime listener or new to the podcast, I'd like to welcome you to this special series about wastewater technology, management, and infrastructure. I'm excited to be back here, and I've got a great roster of guests lined up for you, covering topics ranging from advancements in treatment technology to how the industry is adjusting to the new norm of ongoing natural disasters and weather events. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Amanda Holloway, host of Solving Water, a Xylem podcast, and I am here at Tech 2021 in Chicago, and I'm sitting across from Jay Johnson. Hey, Amanda. Hi, welcome back.
1: Thanks for um, having me.
0: Yes, of course. Jay is the global product manager for Adaptive Mixers here at Xylem, and we actually spoke...
1: Two years ago ago at Mm Weftech, Jim Fisher and I. I think Jim even sang a little song for you. Yeah,
0: I I haven't scheduled a podcast with him yet this show, but I I anticipate that I will, and he will be singing. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been two years. Why don't you remind our our audience of what you do at Asylum?
1: So as a product manager, I'm kind of like a parent for a product. So I'm there when the ideas are conceived, uh, I, I learn all about what the market really needs, collaborate with our salespeople, come up with a vision. Then I start working with the engineers. Some things can be done easily. Some things are impossible. So we there's an iterative process. We go back and forth till we come up with something we think is really gonna delight our customers. Then we usually go back to the sales community and say, what do you think? Would they really be delighted? You know, some are like, yes, or maybe there's something else we need. So I, then, we, then we go Take it back to the engineering folks, and then we start developing. We go through Tollgate process, and sometimes things change along that way too. You know, things we thought we could do, we can't. Sometimes new ideas come up along the way, and we try those out. It's often referred to as an agile process. Um, this kind of doing loops, uh, like
0: iterative, iterative. basically, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. So when I when the, when the product is ready, I take that product and I develop a, a launch. Strategy, which usually involves me going to a bunch of salespeople and doing presentations and demonstrations, and we build excitement. I get a lot of help from the marketing community to to build that enthusiasm. And I
0: like how you're buttering me up here. <laughs> Just kidding.
1: <laughs> it's well deserved. It's well deserved. There's nothing. There's nothing that I've said that isn't true. So, so we get through those, uh, you know, that, and then and then the numbers start to tick up. And usually, we, we, do, we learn things along the way. I've never heard of a product that went off without a hitch yet in Xylem or anywhere else. Then it becomes, a, how do you handle that? You know, Some organizations are very nimble. Nail it right away. Some organizations take a long time, and that can kill a product if you wait too long to solve problems. And so, I'm, again, I'm parenting this product along until it becomes a cash cow and it's, they're going to retire soon, and then we go back and say, well, what else do we need? Okay, So I like this. we have these adaptive mixers. You know, yeah, I was
0: just going to ask you, can you explain what adaptive mixing technology is for, yeah. our, for our listeners? Sure,
1: Well, the, so the adaptive mixers are novel because they have the unique ability to control, the, the customer can control the speed without any outside devices. So the, the, we call it variable frequency drive is built right into the motor. Um, the controls are, you know, part of, the, part of the system. And the reason controlling the speed is valuable is because it allows you to only do as much work as, ne- as is needed for the mixing. You know, mixing's been a little bit of black art in the past, and people tended, always tended to oversize mixers. They used to oversize them a lot. You might have been able to do it with five kilowatts, but you get a 10 kilowatt instead because you know what if you need seven right so as we've gotten better as the science has gotten better we're able to call it much more closely and then instead of now we only give you maybe a little 10 or 15 percent over what is needed and with the adaptive mixers that you can turn around at just perfect and sometimes just perfect varies with season or with the uh, operating conditions so you can turn it further down to just perfect, you know, when science. We had a, we had a, a project in Italy where there's a, it's basically a seaside community and the population of that town like tripled in the summer compared to the winter time. And so the needs, the mixing needs basically quadrupled and got even more so because a lot of people are flushing sand down the drain mm-hmm. and they needed the mixer to get it out. So we were able to give them a machine that drastically reduce their power consumption. I mean more than fifty percent. Well because they were cutting they were slowing way down in the in the wintertime. And uh, and they loved it because not only did it use less energy, it also saves wear and tear on the machine. You know, a machine that's using 50% less energy probably only needs half as much maintenance too.
0: Yeah, longer life cycle. Yeah. There's a, a ton of benefits.
1: There is, there is.
0: So, so what's new? I mean, we—it's been two years. I know we launched our adaptive mixing technology in 2018. I want to say
1: the compact. There was there was one before that was 2015, 2016 was the big banana blade. Yeah. But 2018 is when we you and I talked about the adaptive yes. compact mixer.
0: Yes. and I was I was there for the launch. It was yeah. very exciting. So what's what's new? What's been going on since uh, since then?
1: We've been learning a lot about you know like how to make those uh, machines more rugged more robust and most of that has to do with the controls because the machines themselves the hardware is extremely rugged in fact our you know our flagship 4600 series that is about 80% of our revenue those are those are renowned people buy those people spend 20 30% more sometimes for those machines because they're so rugged so we took that the same basic hardware, and, and in 2018, we added the adaptive technology. And a lot of what we learned had to do with how do we make those controls as rugged as the as hardware is. And it's been fun because now you basically have a brain in the machine, and the brain can do things that are, you know, smart, Right. So, you know, I won't go into a lot of the nuts and bolts because that's probably not as interesting, but we're able to use intelligence in the machine to protect the machine. So the machine can tell if if it's basically if it's hurt or if it's struggling, and it adjusts its behavior accordingly to, to preserve it. And of course, it sends a signal to the boss saying, hey, help, I'm having trouble, I'm still going, but something's not right here. And then we got to a point where the rental team said, okay, this is rugged enough. Now let's make a rental unit. And rental is a hard knock life for any piece of equipment because the people who own it or the people who are using it are not the people who own it. So it's like a rental car in that respect. You get a little more abuse and they're getting moved around all the time, which these machines typically don't have to have happen. So in order to make a really good rental, we had to do a little more innovation. So for instance, we have a special control panel which is ruggedized to basically go in and out of locations right so regular control panel just hangs on the wall and stays there but the rental team came up with something heavy duty for that and probably more exciting than that is they also came up with a a new stand now stands don't usually sound that exciting but what it's doing is it's replacing the mounting system that the mixer usually uses. So typically, when a mixer goes into a tank, there's some kind of a mast that it gets lowered on to position it properly. So we made something, and this was Jim Fisher was one of the big contributors to this because they came out with an initial idea, and Jim's like, "No, no, wait, 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 we'll make it like it looks like a dog sled," and the reason it looks like a dog sled is because the mixers generate a lot of thrust, and in order to normally you've got this mass or this tripod that's bolted to the floor, bolted to the sides, hold that mixer in place. Well, we're gonna lower this thing in without any other stuff, so we needed something that we could basically go up against the wall. So the back of the dog sled slides right up against the wall. In fact, if you put this thing in a tank and you, you have to turn the thrust up slowly so it doesn't slam into the wall, because it's so powerful. So you just turn it up a little bit, it goes stink up against the wall and then you can start giving it the thrust that it's positioned properly for mixing the tank and, um, and it's also used as like a shipping container.
0: Who would want to rent a mixer? Why would you?
1: There's a, there's a couple of categories. The, the first sort of most obvious one will be somebody who has a process that uses mixing now and their mixer breaks. And that person typically has, if they're, if they're a planner, they've got a spare on the shelf. If they're not, then they're probably waving their arms around going, I need a mixer, I need to mix it out." Our distributors and our uh, branches will do the best they can. And now with, with a rental mixer, it's easy. They just call up and say, hey, send one of those over and the next day they can be back up and running. A little less obvious is those who have a potential need but they, they're not sure whether they want to commit yet or not. So there, it's two, two possibilities. We have some folks who are thinking about adding mixing to a process to try to improve the process. There's a lot of new thinking around about different ways to manage how much mixing you should do. You know, there, some folks are experimenting with fermentation, which actually suggests that you stop mixing or, or slow your mixing way down for a little while. And a rental mixer is an opportunity to add mixing, try the process, you know, maybe in, you know, channel B when you don't need using channel B and, and see how it works. You, and with the, uh, with the adaptive, it also gives you ability to go, well, how much do I really need? A, do I need a, a 5 kilowatt? Can I do it with a 3 kilowatt? Maybe I only need a couple hundred newtons of force, you know, so they can, they can try it that way. And then a, a variation on that theme is also those who want to try the technology, the adaptive mixing technology, to see if it's what they want for theirs. So you can rent an adaptive mixer for a month or two just to try it out. And then you might go, especially if you've got a big plant and you're buying, you're talking about buying a bunch of mixers, you can rent one of these things and go, oh, wow, we really were over mixing that tank. We don't even need to buy the the big mixer we could do it with this smaller mixer and if you're putting baffles in you can you can play around with that a little bit so it really gives them a chance to try things and not have to have every uh t-crossed and i dotted when they go into the tank they can try the try with the adaptive mixer and go all right well maybe we just like running at fixed speed anyways so maybe we don't get the adaptive mixer Maybe we go for the banana blade instead. The beautiful thing about working with flight in Xylem is that we've got all kinds of different things you can use. So we got the big toolbox and it's got the most tools so you can build your process however you want.
0: So you mentioned Italy. That was a cool example and that was based on population changes. Yep. But do you have other examples yeah. of some success stories with adaptive mixing? I mean, yeah. rental we'll we'll get to because we haven't officially launched it yet, but we will be doing that in the very near future. You're
1: on the cusp. Yes, on the cusp. Um, like but an- another away. good example is uh, Oxidation Ditches. So uh, Oxidation Ditch uh, looks like a racetrack. Okay. And uh, they'll they will have mixers in you know an oblong racetrack and uh, mixers and at one point in that in that racetrack and the water circulates around about a foot a second is a, usually the target speed and then somewhere further down there'll be uh, diffusers that add oxygen and then beyond that there'll be uh, you know basically where the bugs do their work and then they then, then back near where the mixers are they'll measure the dissolved oxygen to see uh, how how well the process is going and then they'll turn the diffusers up or down depending on how the dissolved oxygen is looking or the ammonia or the you know there's a few different parameters that they can use to make their choices but the adaptive mixers allow them to adjust the, the thrust and the speed to go along with the what's how much air is going down through the diffusers because it turns out that when air is going through diffusers it tends to stop the flow of the water so bunch of air coming up through the water acts like a like a screen and slows the water down a lot and so we have two cool applications that are developed for adaptive mixers in that situation the first one is basically we call it airflow control and we you have a a airflow meter in the you know going to the diffusers and you say okay based on our sizing tool if if i'm running at 2000 cfm i want this much thrust and if i'm running at 3000 cfm i want this much more thrust and 4000 i want the maximum and the the controls will take those data points and make a nice curve between them and it will just ramp the mixers up and down depending on how much the airflow is that's the you know kind of the, the straightforward works works quite well we've got a, a site in uh, up in Puget Sound, in uh, Washington State, that's using that right now, and you know, it's the, the the big savings came when they went from traditional mixers to adaptive mixers, and then dialed it to be just right. But with this with this kind of a variable airflow control, you can knock another 20-25 percent uh, of the energy consumption out again. Because you know you have these times when the, when the airflow is low, and therefore the you know the thrust doesn't have to be as high, and and you could eventually probably will eke out a little bit more still, but we're doing we're doing another twenty twenty five percent without any problem. Wow! Now we have something even cooler than that for the same situation.
0: <laughs> even cooler. Hard to believe.
1: Hard to believe. But you know if you could I mean you think about well what would be even better than being able to run the mixers based on the airflow sensor, right? And that's well what if you didn't need to connect it to the airflow sensor? So how would you possibly do that? Well, our engineers were looking at the you know the, the racetrack and going, what if the mixer could just sense how fast the water was going, right? So when the when the diffusers kick on, the, that it creates a, it's a screed and it slows the water down. What if the mixer could just sense that and react to it? like cruise control in a car, and they figured out how to do that. So they something called torque control. Torque, torque was referring, it's kind of an engineer name. We really ought to put a marketing name, a better marketing name to it.
0: Oh, I think par- torque is a cooler word than thrust.
1: Yeah, okay, well, so, duly noted.
0: I don't know, I'm sure they're not actually the same.
1: What the mixer does is it senses, based on how much, how hard it has to work to move the water, how fast the water is already going. So just like cruise control, right, the car can tell how fast it's going and it accelerates, you know, it gives more thrust, more power to to get it back up to where it runs. The mixer can sense how fast the water is moving and it will speed up or slow down to, to keep it at the target velocity. That means you can put that thing in the water and not hook it to any controls at all and it will just sense it. Now that one is, that's still, you know, being refined. That's the kind of thing that gets, it's kind of like your phone. It gets a little better every season, but it's out there. And uh, and it's really fun because it gives our customers, it it inspires people's imaginations. You know, that that torque control isn't going to really be any more efficient energy-wise than the airflow control, but it's simpler. You're using the intelligence in the machine to avoid having to do as much work to to set it up. And so that's where a lot of our, our thinking is going right now is we've got ideas in the works that will make the machine easier to install because we're getting really, really efficient. And, it, and our customers are like, you know, this is really cool, but I didn't like having to set that gateway up. I didn't like to, I got to do special things with the wires I didn't like to do. And so we working on ideas that will allow it to become, our goal is to make it easier than the old mixers, which is a pretty tall order. The old ones are pretty easy, but that's what we're trying to go for. Make that's it, great. Make it smarter.
0: Yeah, and you just like stole my thunder. I was gonna ask you like what you're working on right now. like. You're talking about like the life cycle of this product, adaptive mixing, and you know you're not you're not into retirement yet with that product. Mm-mm. So basically, what you just said is what's what you're working on right now is refining the installation process.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's other things too in other parts of the business. We're getting really amazing controls and access to really amazing controls and sensors, and cost is going down all the time. So we're we're looking at ways to generate more data about the machine without without increasing the cost of the machine, and that information will allow us to do more things, like predictive maintenance. You know, so you one of these days you'll have a conversation about EventSor if you haven't had it already, and EventSor is a remote monitoring offering that's you know we're we're rolling out in other parts of the world, you know we right now. And events or one of these days will be able to be connected to one of these mixers and go. Oh, vibration is excellent. temperature's really low. You don't need to do anything to this mixer for you know two more years. And and so we'll you know, we we'll, we'll probably call that like dynamic service intervals. Say. Per se. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of stuff that we're we're trying to do now. We're trying to make, we've made it, you you, you can use a computer analogy, right? When computers first came out, you needed to be kind of a computer geek to use a computer because you had to know how to use DOS and you had to know all these little secret codes. But over time, they got easier and easier. So now they're ubiquitous and your 11-year-old can master it, right? Because they're just, even grandma can master it, right? So that's, that's what we're trying to do with the, with the mixers. We've made them so that we've, we've added this intelligence, and right now that intelligence comes at a, at a cost of, you got to spend a little bit more time understanding how to install it, but it's, it can do more, and those people who, who learn about it are rewarded for that. And then, uh, now we're just gonna make it easier and easier and easier until people be like, why would I buy a conventional mixer when I can have this thing?
0: It's really cool, Jay. I'm glad that you came today and just shared this awesome, the work you're doing with us. It's cool.
1: Well, we feel very fortunate. You know, we have uh, an opportunity. We're in a place uh, in Xylem that, you know, there's, there are a lot of, not just a lot of resources, but it's not all about making money. I mean, there's, we have to make money and we should make a lot of money so that we can do good work in the world as well right and that's exactly what's happening you know our management is coming to us and going hey this is a great business it's it's really helpful i mean it helps the other the other businesses how can we grow it more and that's we're we're really making a paradigm shift i mean the you know the the it's not the right now. The adaptive mixers are not burning down the house. They're, you know, not everybody is abandoning traditional mixers for the adaptive mixers, and that's because it's a big paradigm shift. And we're in a very conservative industry. A lot of the people who are, you know, nobody, nobody ever got fired for doing what they did last time, but some people do get fired for doing something different if it doesn't work out. And so you you have to be sensitive to those sensibilities, and we've got the. We've got the breadth the stamina the strength to just go no we know this is the right thing and we're going to keep doing it until everybody else and you may recall that's actually how submersible mixers happened in the first place we invented that technology back in the 50s but it wasn't until like the 70s that it really took off now we don't want to wait 20 years for this one but we definitely are used to waiting a little while convincing the market that this really is a better way to do it well
0: i think this podcast will will really help get that message across i think you're right
1: (laughs) i think you're right
0: so i just have um one more question for you it's a question i ask every guest of solving water and that is what's the most important thing you've learned in the water business so far
1: it's essential to life water is something fundamental that we all need and of course we're i'm working on the wastewater side right now but it's all one big thing right we're taking clean water people using it we clean it back up we put it back in the environment somewhere down the river we pick it back out again we get, It goes, just keeps going around and around it's the same water that the dinosaurs drank right and it's it's essential to life and we're already at a place in humanity is too big for the planet and the resources we have if we if we aren't managing things smartly so what we're doing is literally critical. If we're going to have 6 billion or 7 billion or 8 billion people on the planet, we have to have this. There's no way around it. And so it makes you feel like, wow, you know, my wife is a nurse. My my father-in-law is a doctor, but I'm saving lives, too. I love that. Thanks.
0: Well... Jay, thank you so much for being here today. I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Hopefully not two years from now. Yeah. No more global pandemics, please. But it was great seeing you again. Stay so here. thanks for being here.
1: Stay here. Thanks a lot.
0: Many thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. I hope you'll come back and join us for the next episode in the 2021 Weftech series. More information can be found at the link in today's show notes. And please contact me at amanda.holloway at xylem.com or via LinkedIn with questions, feedback, or to be a guest on Solving Water.